Hello everybody and thank you for joining me for a new episode of The Daily Optimist. Today is Tuesday. As we move forward in this week, it is the second day in and uh, things are still ever-changing. Things are still um, wildly interesting, both in positive and negative ways. There are so many stories uh, to talk about, but today I have two um, stories, one from the U.S. and one from Belarus, where protests are happening in Belarus. I'll get into that in just a minute. The U.S., as we're still dealing with COVID numbers going up drastically and schools are starting to get back uh, in, I'm going to talk about um, what has been happening with children. Uh, there are so many things uh, happening. I also have some positive news of my own that I'm, I'm going to share at the end. Uh, just a, a little thing about how when we keep fighting and keep pushing for things we want, we can help to make changes. So, you know, my work is not done by any means, but uh, it, it took a step forward today. So I'm hoping that I will have more steps forward in the near future. I hope for wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you are having steps forward in a positive way as well, and you are finding footing to land on. Sometimes it's a rocky road, sometimes it's soft and squishy, but whatever it is, I hope you're finding footing and having a stable spot to stand on and continue pushing forward in all that you do. All right, thank you again. My name is Elijah Manning, and you are listening to The Daily Optimist. So my first news story is going to come as there have been a report of over the last two weeks of July, at least 97,000 children tested positive for the coronavirus. So, all right, let me slow that down. Uh, That can be very alarming, very concerning for people, especially if you have children that are going back to school in the U.S., this can be something you do not wish to hear. Um, So, it's a new review of state-level data by the American Academy of Pediatrics and Children's Hospital Association. The increase is a 40% surge in the nation's uh, total of child cases. Um, Dr. Sean O'Leary Uh, He is a pediatric infectious disease specialist at Children's Hospital Colorado and vice chair of the Committee on Infectious Diseases for the American Academy of Pediatrics. He says, I think it's showing that, yes, kids can get infected and can spread the infection. So why that quote is important is because um, our president last week said, children are, are almost, I would almost say definitely, but almost immune from this disease. Um, And that is just not true at all okay it's not true since the beginning of the pandemic they reported at least 340,000 children have tested positive that's roughly nine percent of the total u.s cases to date um 
the rise in cases was fueled by the states uh, that were having increases. Some states like Missouri, Oklahoma, Georgia, Florida, Montana, and Alaska. Um, so it's, you know, the, the, the only question is on what is considered a child because in majority of states they use zero to 17 or zero to 19, but in Tennessee, South Carolina, it's 20 and in Alabama, it goes up to 24. Um, so some of this may be a little bit off of what you think of as when you think child because like I said Alabama goes up to age 24 so some of this is a little bit different um, they haven't broken down that entirely yet I don't know if they're going to or what if you know of that information let me know I'd love to hear it um, so uh the hospitalization rate for children, though, remains low at 2%, which is great news. Um, but as schools are starting to think about reopening, it is important to remember that, yes, children can get this virus, can spread it to each other, and spread it to teachers and other staff members. So it's just important to keep that in mind. Um, there's talk about if you have um, a school system in place where there's good control in your state or your, your town, whatever the case may be, um, then it's uh, going to be reasonably safe to open schools. We're never going to have, get zero risk, but um, Mr. Or Dr. O'Leary says, you know, with mitigation measures in place, I think it's reasonably safe to open schools. We're never going to get to zero risk. Uh, sorry, that was his quote. Um, so like New York City, they have had, um, low cases since everybody, you know, quarantined at the beginning. Now they're at the low end of the spectrum. 1%, I believe, is now what their positive test rate is. So it is safer for that area to open school systems again. Um, for the areas that are in the midst of having high um, case numbers still, it is not going to be so easy. So if you're in a state, just to be aware wherever you are, okay? My second story, I mentioned this one briefly yesterday, it comes out of uh, 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 Belarus, and it's where they've had an election. Um, the Their authoritarian president got re-elected in what appeared to be a landslide of like he got 80 percent but you know there is word that the election was rigged um to make it look like that so one of the opposition party uh ladies she has now left the country um she had already sent her kids away after they had been receiving threats to her family so um she now fled to Lithuania, which is right next door, you know, with her children, and it was kind of a split-second decision, and rioting has been happening in the streets, you know, they've um, been using hoses and rubber bullets on the protesters, the, the government, uh, military, policing, whatever you want to call their name, they've been doing this, um, 
so you know she's surprised so she was a surprise uh star in opposition as it's been leading up to this um she she wanted a new fair election if she won um you know she was gonna make things you know she was going to change things she entered the race after her husband who was a political blogger who had hoped to run for president himself he was put in jail so interesting she took over and started to run and now she had to flee um you know her many of her campaign workers didn't know she was going to flee right away they're going to challenge this ruling um you know the the government says that this is this ruling was or this election had no uh no tampering no fraud whatever you want to call it and that these are the results he won the president has been in place since 1994 so i would imagine he doesn't want to get out um being in that position of power but like i said so what's happened is they've had protests happening for a couple days now uh i guess one protester has officially died um 89 people were injured during the protests late sunday and early monday 39 were law enforcement they've detained about 3,000 people um so you know the the president his his staff have, have called the the opposition party sheep and said they were being manipulated by foreign masters and we will not allow them to tear the country apart um so this is one that you have to keep your eye on um it is just you know as not everybody has a full open democracy there are ways that the people show their um distrust in government figures and you know right now i'm going to relate this to america a little bit because in america we have our current president who is trying to sow the seeds of dissent in saying that our election is not going to be free and fair while his secretary of state mike pompeo is saying the same thing about belarus um so they're condemning what's happening over over in belarus but at the same time you know we have the possibility of our current president sowing seeds of dissent um it is just an interesting story to to be aware of to to keep your eyes open for and to understand how um you know authoritarian governments work and as more and more of the story comes out will will they actually have a new election because the you know the the staffers and campaign managers who worked for the opposition the lady running for president they are challenging the results so i don't know what will happen time will tell all right i'm gonna head out on that one and i'm gonna come back in just a moment with some positive news for the day
time for some positive news. My first positive news story is going to come from Iraq. So, Iraq has an area that was once a, um, a big waterway that um, was called the Mesopotamian Marshes. And it had, you know, some, uh, uh, some folks, tribes, if you will, that had lived there for like 5,000 years. So over the course of Saddam Hussein's reign, um, little by little, this, this area had been shrinking and uh, faded to almost nothing. You know, people had moved away because there was no more sustainability of life there. Um, this has been, you know, uh, this was back in the 90s. Uh, it was uh, spanned as much as 20,000 square kilometers. And it was where the Euphrates and the Tigris rivers divided into a network of tributaries heading south to the Arabian Sea. Um, but in, after Saddam Hussein in 91, he stepped up a campaign to drain the marshes of the water, destroying the habitat and forcing the Madan people to leave. I may be mispronouncing that. My apologies. And they, like I said, they've been there for 5,000 years. And then by 2001, the wetlands were just 7% of their original size. 7% of the original size. Uh, that's according to the United Nations Environment Agency. Um, so then in 2003, the U.S. invasion of Iraq, many of the embankments and drainage works that were created by Saddam, they were taken apart under the new administration, and the marshes began to refill. And after 17 years, the wildlife is now returning in uh, the lives of those who once called this home they're starting to improve and some of the people are starting to come back not necessarily living the way they did necessarily like uh on the water if you will they're living in towns nearby and and you know moving there because electricity and things don't spread there so they're living in towns nearby that have electricity and then they're you know walking there to to work um so it's like water buffalo have returned. There's fish types that were almost extinct. There are birds, you know, ducks specifically that were almost as extinct as well, and some others. Um, you know, there's uh, it's brought back ways of life of uh, fishing, harvesting reeds, and breeding water buffalo. Um, and you know, some of these places went from like seven thousand people to seventy thousand people in this area. So right around, um, you know, there's still a lot of work to do, a lot of work to do, um, because they border Iran and Turkey, and um, there was a drought recently, and Turkey has uh, been building dams around, so they still have to uh, make some kind of agreement with the neighboring countries so that they can all share the water. Um, as this is important to all their ways of life, as water is important to everybody all over. Um, but they're, um, they're working towards, you know, a, a better way of life right now. And if they can make deals, um, then it will benefit everybody. Um, but, you know, that is the, the problem right now. But, uh, you know, the buffalo breeders are, are having a, a comeback fishing is having a comeback there's still some fishing um issues you know people are using the electrocution style which kills too many uh around the future is uncertain they say but um it is 
at the moment there's more optimism than there has been for years. So yes, work still needs to be done, but it is better than it was. All right, my second story is going to come from a man who is um, 90 years old and he is opening up now about the fact that he has been hiding his homosexuality for his entire life. He says, uh, his, um, yeah, he says, I had been keeping this secret most of my life and I'd planned to take it to the grave. But what happened was in quarantine, he, things changed and he started to view his life differently. Um, he decided to start writing a memoir and he could not leave out this portion of his life since it it's his whole life that he's been hiding this. So he says, in 1942, when I was 12, I realized I was gay. And, you know, he lived in a strictly religious household in Kansas and wasn't able to re- express how he felt. Um, then he left home and he had some you know, met some men he had intimate encounters with, but he never spoke of it because in the 50s and 60s, he says it was impossible to do. Um, He says if you came out, it would really cost you, your family, your job, all of your relationships, you would immediately be called a pervert. And then, so uh, he remained a secret. He joined the Navy, but he met a man there who he fell in love with, and they were together for two years. And he says we were just happy with each other. It was a void in my life that had suddenly been filled by another person who apparently had some of the same needs, and we just melted into each other. Um, He eventually, he couldn't reconcile his love and his faith, so they went their separate ways. And he went on to marry a woman, father a daughter, then he later divorced, and his he remained in the closet even after his daughter came out to him as a lesbian and then it still took him another 25 years this was in 1995 still took him another 25 years to come out to her and uh one day he was talking to her and just happened to mention he wished he had never left philip um once his daughter knew the truth he decided to tell everyone so he put a post about you know his relationship and people were instantly trying to help him find philip and Unfortunately, Philip had passed on already. Um, He says, that was a blow to me. And I'm so sorry I didn't have the chance to say goodbye. But now, he has the chance to help people within the LGBTQ plus community to start living their own truth sooner than he did. Um, And a lot of them, he says, a lot of them telling me that they've got more courage now to come out uh, he said, I'm out, I'm gay, and I'm free. So it took him his whole life, but it's not over yet. He's still living it, and now he can live his true self. So good for him. All right, I'll be back in just a moment with your positive step for the day. For today's positive step, it is going to be take a moment and appreciate yourself and your work. 
or appreciate a loved one and their work, a friend and their work. Just take a moment of appreciation today, okay? As I have had some good news, I am doing some work in uh, my town, my city, on trying to get a more inclusive education curriculum, which teaches a uh, more um, a more sweeping history of the accomplishments of uh, people of color, you know, black, indigenous, uh, women, and LGBTQ plus in our school system, trying to not narrow those down to months at a time, instead making that part of a broader learning experience. As I am working on that, I had a wonderful conversation with a member of my board of education today, and we are going to be moving forward together to implement this. And I am taking today to appreciate the work that I've done. Doesn't mean I'm gonna stop doing work. I still have some more that I'll be doing later, but I'm going to take a moment and I'm going to appreciate the steps that I've taken thus far are um, starting to, to bear fruit, if you will. So I want you to do the same with whatever it is you are doing. I want you to take a moment and appreciate the work that you do doesn't mean to stop doing your work just means actually appreciate yourself your work and then let that um, drive you to to work harder for for more to be done okay that's your step of the day appreciate yourself and your work all right i'll be back in a moment with your quote for the day My quote today comes from Eleanor Roosevelt. She is the former first lady, the longest serving first lady. Um, she's also a diplomat, a, an activist. Yeah, she worked for human rights. She was on the, the chairperson of the commu Commission on Human Rights. And um, she played a very important role in drafting the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. All right, so her quote goes like this. You must do the thing you think you cannot do. You must do the thing you think you cannot do. All right. So I felt it was incredibly important for me to work on education and I had no idea what to do. And that's why I knew that I had to do it because I'm sure everybody else was having a very similar issue um, with that and that's why it hasn't yet really been tackled where I am um, so that made me say alright I have to do this because it's not being done and it needs to be so uh, you must do the thing you think you cannot do I had no idea how to start nowhere to, no idea what to do I spent many basically three weeks writing, uh, researching, and then I did it. And, you know, I continued to write and research, and now I'm moving forward. So I am a testament to that right now. You must do the thing you think you cannot do. If I can do something, you can too, and it doesn't have to be what I'm doing. I want you to do for you, for your community, 
for your family, for your friends, your, your work, all of the above, any of the above, but just you must do the thing you think you cannot do. And I have plenty more to do because there's plenty more to do. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of The Daily Optimist. I appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, as always, you can find me if you want to tell me anything on Facebook. I am at The Daily Optimist. On Instagram and Twitter, you can find me at The Daily Optpod, at The Daily O-P-T-P-O-D. Email The Daily Optimist at Yahoo.com. That's me, The Daily Optimist at Yahoo.com. Please also rate, subscribe, share. Rate so that other people can find it. Subscribe so you never miss it. And share so that you can bring some positivity to somebody else's day. I appreciate each and every one of you. And until next time, everybody, please be well.